0: Some 23 years after playing Christine Daae in the Australian production of The Phantom of the Opera, Marie Johnson is back with the show, on Broadway, and this time playing the mysterious Madame Giry. It is a show that has great sentimental meaning for Johnson, and the experience allows her two very different access points to a story that has thrilled audiences for several decades. The desire to act has been present since childhood. Bargaining with brothers to switch TV from the cricket to a musical was a regular challenge for Marie. Such determination was always going to reward and Johnson went on to give Australian audiences tremendous delight in a host of iconic roles. Maria in West Side Story, Eliza in My Fair Lady, Grizabella in Cats and Cosette in Les Miserables, to name a few. A win in the Sydney Cabaret Convention in 1998 took Marie to NYC, where a next exciting chapter was soon to unfold. She quickly established herself with performances around the USA in musicals like Zorba, Passion and Adam Gattel's Myths and Hymns. Marriage and Family was also found establishing Marie as very much a local. It was a great treat for stages to access Marie for a couple of hours to catch up with her journey over the past few years and to gain terrific insight into what it takes to be a performer on Broadway.
1: Running around i don't get one-on-one really with anyone i kind of bring everyone together and do it as a group
0: well i feel uh, very fortunate
1: you actually yeah you yeah. should yeah. you are <laughs> you should have had her here oh yeah uh, yeah t- so t- this yeah. is
0: the one-on-one that people can tune in and listen to with you they can eavesdrop great so you're back in australia mm-hmm. uh, this is an annual pilgrimage home for christmas and new year
1: um it Pretty much, although it's been three years because now because of the show, on Broadway, and only having two weeks vacation, it's very difficult to get this this amount of time off. But I was lucky enough to kind of swing it. So you've
0: earned <laughs> enough um, overtime, perhaps, or um, extended leave, <laughs> a little leave. bit of
1: everything, good behaviour.
0: Yeah. So is that so with long runs on Broadway? Is that used the standard sort of holiday? Is it two two weeks off? The
1: the con the Equity contract is pretty much one week. Per six months so it ends up being two weeks a year
2: right
1: yeah but then there's things like you know it's all about to what you can negotiate and I guess your um, status in the company possibly and you know there's personal leave so part of my visit here is personal and and vacation
0: so right do you still call Australia home? Absolutely. Or? Yeah. <laughs> yes. but NYC must be home yes. as well. Yes, you've got I'd say
1: now 20 years on, yeah. I'm definitely I have two homes, yeah.
0: Home is where the heart is. You can yes. ha- have two hearts.
1: Exactly, and I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulled in both directions. Yeah. So
0: you talk about the show. It's, of course, Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: which you've returned to after some 23 years where you that,
2: played yeah. Christine
0: Daae in yeah. Australia. Mm-hmm. Um That must be extraordinary, being able to return to that show from a different vantage point as Mm, Madame Giry.
1: Absolutely. Yes, maturity, hindsight, all those things. Um,
0: I watched a YouTube promotional clip uh, this week about, um, I think it was called Becoming Madame Giry. Oh, yes. Where you were spoken to. And you became very teary uh, during the interview, which was beautiful. So what does Phantom mean to you, Phantom of the Opera?
1: Um, You know, it's, it's kind of where I really did a lot of my... Well, it was my first lead role too. So, and I mean that is an enormous lead role, an enormous gift to any performer to have that kind of responsibility. Was that your professional debut? No, I no. Les Misérables right. before. Was yeah. that, and I was an understudy uh, to Cosette, so I was the alternate in Phantom, and then I took over in Sydney and be- um, for Christine became Christine in Sydney, and um, so I became Teary. I think because also having you know 20 something years on and having children and then working again and my children had never seen me perform really because they were well they're teenagers now so that was three and a half years ago so it was a really nice thing for them to see me up on stage and just a, f- a lovely full circle because I'd aged into you know a role you know a female role such as Madame Giry it was very uh, yeah nostalgic for me
0: and I guess also still you've, you've landed on Broadway, and which your broad- Broadway debut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure must have been a, a dream as a, oh, as a I- young girl yourself. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: Christine's a huge role, sort of the vocal demands, you, you have to dance on point, don't you? Yes. As well as all that heightened melodrama yes. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. How do you uh, maintain your show fitness during the week to be able to sort of deliver that eight times a week?
1: I think um, the show itself keeps you fit so you you go through probably it's almost like a training session and I think you just reach a point where you you know the first couple of weeks are always exhausting you know and then your body and your voice and your technique kick in and you just maintain you you know you reach that level where you can just maintain it you know and there's nothing like repetition to keep you going (laughs) So, with repetition,
0: yeah. uh, how do you manage to keep that fresh every night?
1: Um, I mean, you know, I think it takes a certain type of performer yeah. to do eight shows a week.
0: And a long run as well. And, and a long run, mm.
1: exactly. And I just happen to be, I thrive on that. You know, I'm never happy. I guess I'm always trying to seek perfection and never feeling I reach it. So, I'm always happy to go back in there and fix a few things or discover a few more moments. You know, it still is a live performance, and somewhere- people seeing
0: it for the first time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, the energy is always a little bit different on stage for whatever reason. So you know, you you're on high alert all the time, and I think that's what keeps me going. Other people may have a different story to tell, but
0: um, Phantom uh, purports also to have. Um, cast members who have done it for up to 20 years. I think yeah. George Lee Andrews played one of the theatre managers for yeah. two decades. Yeah. That's extraordinary.
1: I know. And we just um, had a cast member recently, a couple of weeks ago, retire after, I think, 14 years. I think he'd been in there. So Ken Cantor. And, uh, but if you
0: enjoy it, I guess, and it's still fulfilling you. and
1: Yeah. I know. Everyone, ha- you know, there's so many different um, attitudes around it and so many different personal needs of different of performers, you know, family, things like that. The thing about Broadway is that your insurance is attached to, your medical insurance so is attached to your contracts on Broadway. So when you walk away from a production or, you know, it, the show ends, you lose your insurance if you don't find another job. Over time, your medical insurance, and in America, you need your medical insurance.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah,
0: it's no different to, I mean, you know, a lot of those long runs. I guess an actor being in a soap opera for, yeah. for many years, yeah, isn't people, it? Yeah,
1: people. Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm. If you, if you can manage that long run and repetition, mm-hmm. all the power to you.
1: Yes. I spoke <laughs> to
0: Caroline O'Connor in uh, an earlier episode of Stages and uh, she was cheerfully describing when she was last on Broadway in Anastasia I think you both shared a dressing room uh, a dressing room wall wall.
1: (laughs) yes how exciting we did yeah Yeah.
0: because you'd both done West Side Story in Australia hadn't you
1: we did yes we did West Side Story and uh, then we both found ourselves pretty much starting at the same time also I think you know Anastasia was starting around the same time I was going into Phantom so we realized our theaters were back-to-back and I don't know how it occurred to us but literally we ended up standing outside going well that's my dressing room window and that was her dressing and the wall that the theaters butted up against each other so we could hang out the window and almost you know reach our hands across and touch She had a little fire escape outside hers, so she could actually climb out onto the fire escape.
0: (laughs) Very West Side story. (laughs) Very West
1: Side story. (laughs) Very New York.
0: Yeah, and and, um, great to see lots of Australians now making their mark on Broadway. Yes, yeah. In various roles. There
1: is, yeah. Yeah,
0: In all sorts of shows. So where did you grow up, Marie? You a Sydney girl?
1: I'm a Sydney girl. I grew up in the St George area. And then I went to school in the St George area and the Sutherland Shire and then I moved to the eastern suburbs when I was a bit older and lived there most of the rest of my life before moving to America in my 30s. Right.
0: What was school like? Was there much of a music, drama, education experience but there? I
1: went to two schools you know, in my high school career <laughs> and the one of them was very particularly musical, theatre-driven and that's where I learnt a lot and I was the lead role and. I think four out of th- oh, three out of four of the musicals we did. I was there for four years, so um, that's where it all started. I'd say. What either. roles were you doing at school? I did um, Polly, The Boyfriend. In boyfriend? The boyfriend. That was my first. Then I did Kim in Bye Bye Birdie, and then it was uh, Fanny Bryce, kind of in a version of Smike, it's not, a not so well known production. Yeah, yeah. But.
0: Who was your drama teacher or music teacher? Who was putting those shows together?
1: So, uh, Sister Jan Barnett was our school principal, nun and driving force and director. So she cast me in those and we're still in contact. So I'm still very grateful and have a wonderful friendship with her. She's, you know, an incredible human being. And um, yeah. And then I went to year 11 and 12 to Mary Immaculate College and we did the crucible there so that was more you know more of an emphasis towards play and I was abigail right that. so
2: hmm
0: you were doing uh, dance classes from a young age were you back off to ballet and Not all that really. no
1: no i did i started doing ballet when i was very little and apparently i cried when the teacher raised her voice and went running back to my mother and then my never went back until my teens and then i started doing some class random and gymnastics and different things but not not to the extent i would have i should have (laughs) done so i've spent probably most of my career picking it up along the way but thankfully the roles have never been very dance heavy so
0: does madame Giriel
1: she did, no does she no. dance sorry no, no or, does she yell Madame Julie just go, no. Did, no no nothing? She's, no, she never yells. She no. would never raise her voice but she's, she doesn't need to because she has a big stick. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very commanding. So I definitely pitch my voice in a way where it's more commanding and resonant but no she would never yell.
2: No.
1: She gets a little heightened you know, in second Don't ages. we all? Yes. that not we all?
0: Uh, community theatre participation?
1: I did a little bit. Yeah. Um, when I left school, uh, there was Rockdale. Oh, my gosh. You're taking me back now. It was a little theatre company at Rockdale. The Guild? Was it The Guild? Was it called The Guild Theatre Company? It was up the back there. Yeah, I did a amazing. couple of plays up there. Um, and I also did a musical of Baby with a, a company... I can't remember the that's name That's a good of it. show too, isn't Yeah, it? that's a great show. Yeah. I did that at Rockdale Town Hall and that was pretty much it, I think. And then I started moving into... And then it was Les Miserables and then Phantom and then off and racing. I always wanted to audition for NIDA but I never... Uh, I guess didn't quite get myself together and I was a little intimidated by the whole process... So that, the, then, the belief in yourself or the confidence? The belief, probably the confidence yeah. and the belief yeah. in myself um, because I wanted to go more the acting route than singing. But then Les Miserables came along and then I did put an application in for NIDA, but then I was offered a role in fa- the alternate in Phantom to go in as the understudy in Phantom. So, And I remember someone saying, you've got work, take the work. You know, work, learn it on the job. So, yeah. And that's, then I just went from job to job after that.
0: The, um, uh, the the joyous thing about those sliding doors. I mean, if you'd got into NIDA, mm. you could be in Hollywood now rather than Broadway. Who knows? Which would be Broadway's loss or whatever. But mm. those happy accidents it's, that happened yeah, and led yeah. you along the musical theatre route. Yeah. Do you remember the first musical that you saw that sort of hooked you into sort of wanting to be a performer?
1: I mean, there was a lot of TV musicals that's... A lot of it started there. That like, Sunday afternoon, MGM. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yep. And having to, you know, negotiate TV time with my brothers who wanted to watch cricket and I wanted to watch a musical. So there's a lot of those that I think had an impact.
0: Did you often win?
1: No. No? Mm. No, I watched cricket. I still don't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so no, what I th- did. I think I did. Obviously oh. I did because, you know, it spurred me on. <laughs>
0: Uh, a performance family with, you had
2: other not performances elderly, no? no no my mother sang
1: at church and she did learn to sing and i did do lessons from a very young age from you know i did do singing lessons when i started getting the leads in the musicals at school my parents were very um, concerned about me getting up on stage and not embarrassing myself so they i had singing lessons with mari Wichelow. um she was a soprano an Australian soprano, many moons ago. Uh, so I used to.
0: Was she with the Opera Company or? I think musicals? so. Right. Yeah,
1: she was just teaching from home at, in uh, Woolooware, near Cronulla, and I used to go there. And then I worked with um, Francis Bell, and I did my singing exams, at the AMEB, Australian Musical Examinations Board. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I almost finished those, I got up to 8th grade somewhere along the way. So I was also teetering on a classical you know, maybe I'll go into classical, but this was all part time while I was also studying social welfare and early childhood, so I was also encouraged to have a real job, you know get a real... Get job. something to fall back on. Yes
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it, you know it it was a balance, but I was able to, to balance it and Never really had to. Yeah, I worked for a year at a family support service in Darlinghurst. Oh, and then of course, when I was working in Darlinghurst at a family support service, I was having lessons with Bob Tasman Smith. Bless his heart. Right, the great Bob. I mean, all of yeah. them have had such an impact on me, but Bob in particular, you know, really nurtured me and suggested he knew that there were auditions for Les Misérables. Suggested I should go and. I sent a tape in <laughs> of my voice to Cameron McIntosh. I think I really dropped it off of me singing and they called me in for an audition and that was it. So, yeah.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Did you enjoy the social welfare work?
1: I did, yeah.
0: What did that entail? What?
1: You know, it was working with children. The, uh, there was a family support service in Darlinghurst and it was setting up an after-school program for the kids around the area in Woolloomooloo and Darlinghurst. And, Yeah. I did that. And I think I just gravitate to helping people and charities. So I've always, I double that in my work in New York. I sometimes, not so much now because the eight shows a week and having a family keep me really busy, but I used to sing for an organization called Vocal and we would sing around the nursing homes in New York. And it was really lovely.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so balancing motherhood with, with uh, uh, life in a Broadway show, mm. that's, uh, what's the day like? I mean, you get the kids off to school and...
1: Well, they're teenagers now, so right. I do get to sleep in sometimes okay, when I'm tired. Um, so they get to... But if I... Uh, so they, yeah, they pack their lunches and... Well, actually, they don't even have to pack their lunches in America now because you get lunch at school. Um, so they leave, you know, they're very independent now, except... They don't get home till later because of their after-school activities. So I'm leaving around the same time they're coming in. So if I don't get up in the morning, I don't see them because then they're asleep by the time I get home. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a juggle, you know, and I'm trying to maximise any bit of time I get with them, maybe to go see a basketball match or if they're home early for some reason that day. It's not the same, but I guess
0: you can do FaceTime as well and from the theatre or perhaps...
1: Oh, talk yes, talk. but no. I'm flying in there. There's All not, right. not enough time yeah. All right. throwing on my makeup.
0: <laughs> uh, were your folks happy about a career in the arts?
1: I think so. When yeah. they saw, you know, the, the level of professionalism and and the career and it just kept gathering steam, absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, the career in Australia certainly did gather steam. I mean, starting with Les Mis and then Phantom of the Opera, which you did for, what, two or three years? Yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, extraordinary. And hey. then Grisabella um, in Cats, um, Eliza in My Fair Lady, Maria yeah. in West Side Story. You're playing some iconic roles.
1: I know. Yeah. Isn't that great? So what lucky. a gift. Yeah, yeah.
0: Do you have a favourite role?
1: It's a silly question the, to ask yeah, any really, actor, really, isn't it? H- it's, it's
0: what you're working on at the time, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're all really good. Eliza... You know, Maria, they're all different, and they're all incredible women, incredible young women on a journey. So, and they're all just different. They're all really good for different reasons. They're what all,
0: yeah. what do all those roles teach you about being a leading lady?
1: Responsibility, yeah. um, technique, um, focus. Oh my God, so much <laughs> hard work.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, but in, you've got to because you love it. It's and effectively,
0: easy. you're leading that company as well off stage. Um, you're modelling I, I behaviour, guess so. I guess, to a degree. And I didn't
1: quite realise that then, but yeah, I guess so. I, I recognise that more now, uh, being one of the older, you know, performers in Phantom. So yeah, I, d- I definitely do. But I'm not really there to tell people how to live their lives. No, no, no. But maybe through example. But professionalism. Yeah, Yeah, professionalism. Mm
0: -hmm. Are companies different in Australia and the US from your experience?
1: Not really. No, it's the same breed of musical, of theatre people.
0: And that work ethic is there. What about audiences? Do they differ, do you think?
1: They're a little more on their feet, I feel, in the States. You know, they love an encore and a standing ovation. So that's always lovely. We always get a standing ovation. Yeah.
0: Um, those those uh, iconic roles we just talked about are huge vocally. How do you yeah. ensure that your voice is in peak condition? Do
1: you- oh, technique. I think that's where I really notice now that my technique is is good and it's held held me, you know, strong. Although after a while and getting a little bit older, you do have a certain amount of muscle memory that goes into the role so anything outside of it i'm finding oh i have to just focus a little more and prepare a little more and you know make sure i warm up and practice it more it's you know you
0: have periods where you don't speak
1: no No. i wish (laughs) (laughs) no it's a busy day for some reason i guess Um, Even though the kids are at school, they're not always at school. There's just random days off. And then there's just um, other things I'm doing and seem to be organizing. And New York is such a busy place. You know, you walk out that front door and you walk down the street and you've already said hello or had a conversation with five or six neighbors that you've bumped into, you know.
0: Have you continued the singing lessons during a show?
1: No, I haven't. Not, But I'm about to pick them back up, actually. So funny you should ask because I'm two and a half years in now and I feel like, oh, I think I need to go and explore some other material and see what my voice is doing outside of Phantom.
0: Keep you engaged with your voice, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And especially being older, you know, I don't need to be the high, sweet soprano anymore. So I'm mixing more, I'm belting more. So, you know, I need to explore that and more characters... You know, I have a more character voice as Madame Giri in a way.
0: Have you found that the voice has got lower as you've got older? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mhm. But the height's still there, which is good. Yeah.
0: Do you have a favourite composer?
1: Oh, Stephen. Somebody Simon. you like to sing? Yeah. Stephen Sondheim, Jason Robert Brown, uh, Pasek and Paul really love their w- new work. Ah, um, oh, like them all. And then, yes, know, we've got to usher in that new, new, yeah. the new guard now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's those songbooks will it's, always be around. But you know, with the, the passing of Jerry Herman recently, and mm, you know, Sondheim, mm-hmm. let's hope it's not for a while, but he's sort of nearing ninety, and all that. I know. Sort of thing.
1: Well, sort of, he was at Hal Prince's memorial the other day, and he was in gave a beautiful speech. So, what was doing. that
0: like? Because. Hal Prince, of course, died in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and the memorial was at the, the the Majestic, where you're doing Phantom. Yes,
1: yeah. So you got to be there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were there.
0: Did you perform at all? Or no, no,
1: no. I think what was, uh, you know, we were so lucky to have Hal for the past couple of years, and he would come in periodically and give notes and see the show. And he was so sharp and so on it and so supportive of everyone in the show So we were so lucky. And I think we lived in a little bit of a bubble thinking, you know, we had Hal just for us and it was Phantom. But Hal had this enormous career, you know, this epic career. So the memorial was very much a tribute to everything else that he'd also done.
0: As a producer and a a a director. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And as um, a mentor too to other composers such as Jason Robert Brown who was conducting so it wasn't, there was just a little bit of Phantom, you know, yeah. it was all I ask of you. And then it was everything else. So, the, and there were so many people in his life that he'd, you know, bonded with and, you know, directed. So, who who performers who'd become dear friends and so many different stories. So, the cast of Phantom were definitely a part of that, but we weren't, we're not everything of his career Uh you know and i think sitting there was that was very poignant and was like oh of course how beautiful how wonderful
0: and i imagine it was a house full
1: oh my god it was amazing yeah and the performances were amazing young and old and new and yeah
0: because it was open to the public as well i think yes yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: but it was not advertised necessarily so it's word of mouth
2: you'd never recognize the room The pictures all have different frames now And all the chairs are rearranged now Somehow I've thrown out every souvenir Yes, there've been changes made since you Recognize the street The neighbors' kids play different games now The colors in the trees have changed now Strange how There've been changes made Since you stayed here The same address Well, more or less More happens, less matters I guess You'd never recognise my life Much more careful game now, and when I cry, it's not the same now. Somehow, I never waste a single tear. Yes, there've been changes made since you stayed.
0: So when did you head to the States? You, I believe you'd won the Sydney Cabaret Convention.
1: Yeah. Yes, I did. I won the Sydney Cabaret Convention back then and I started moving into more cabaret work and solo work and concert things in between. And I went to New York and did a cabaret there and got the bug and then decided to go back again and do another cabaret. Uh, and... I kept kind of bouncing around and then i thought oh what the heck maybe i'll just see if i can get a green card so i got a green card on the basis of my career so i'm an alien of extraordinary ability <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> Nanu, the, nanu. that's what they call it wow I
1: know, it's pretty funny and uh just before that process was you know signed sealed and delivered i met my husband my now husband so we dated for a while for two years and I was back and forth, and then we got married and had two children, and yeah.
0: And the rest is history. So the rest
1: is history. So that really sealed the deal of staying in America, I guess. Yeah.
0: What, what did you enjoy about the cabaret form? Because it's really, it's just you and a microphone and, I and know. a piano.
1: I love it and I hate it. Yeah. I get a bit bored with myself. So I think after a while, I kind of, I, pref- I my preference is to do a character, is to really explore explore a character because it's a
0: mask you can hide behind too exactly
1: yeah Yeah. and it's just fun and it's not me whereas talking about me I just get a bit bored
2: (laughs) with myself
1: sorry but it's fun and now you know I often think if I did put together a cabaret what would I do I don't know I don't know the answer to that yet
0: but you might return to it again one day
1: I don't know. We'll don't see. Know.
0: We'll see. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you've, you've scored some uh, some big roles in the States as well. Um, the Widow and Zorba.
2: Yes. Fosca in
0: Passion. At the Walmart, uh, yeah. Mrs. Johnson in Blood Brothers. Yeah. Competition must be pretty fierce, I imagine, mm, in the States. It is. Yeah. It's,
1: yeah, it's a, big, it's a big pool there.
0: And you have to travel, I guess, sometimes to other States to sort of get those...
1: Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. The Wilmoth, the those two roles were um, myths and hymns, and which was an Adam Gettle piece, and Fosco were in Philadelphia. But then once I had children and my husband's career, he's an entertainment attorney in New York, so that things shifted, and then it just pretty much became about the kids and then staying in New York and right. just doing workshops and little bits and pieces here and there so and then I I reached that point I think as a lot of women do um where you're too old to play the ingenue and you're too young to be you know a character actress so I I was in that kind of in limbo a little bit for a while
0: there's a lot of rejection that goes with being a performer
1: yes a lot of roles you miss out Mm. on How,
0: how do you handle that personally
1: you know, I'm, I've got to say I'm pretty resilient with that. You know, maybe I've just gotten used to it or because uh, I still always have that element of doubt. So I just, I don't know, you just pick yourself up, go home, tidy up and move on to the next thing. It's yeah.
0: psychologically preparing yourself, isn't it, when you're going yeah. in and then being kind to yourself afterwards. And it's often you miss out on roles not because you're untalented, but because...
1: Sometimes it's like a, a preparation, whole host of a whole yeah. host, yeah, and yes, yeah, so many reasons. The color of your hair, the sight, you know, your body shape, you, who you know, politics, um, accents, a whole bunch of things. How you work, how you presented that day, the energy in the room, you know. So, um, how you prepare for your audition, things like that. So,
0: are you superstitious in the theatre? No. You don't have an opening night ritual that you go through?
1: No. No, No, I'm very practical. Because I don't want to get so... Well, maybe the ritual is that I don't have a ritual, because if the ritual is ever broken and I'm relying on that, then that's going to, you know, unnerve me. I don't want to go into that, you know, dance or that doubt of self-doubt.
0: Yes, I've spoken to people in, the, in this podcast who talk about they've suddenly got to the wings and realise that they haven't done whatever, so send their dresser back to get that magic oh, thing that right. of to touch or, no, or whatever, no, which yeah. I, again, can, could throw you greatly.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, you know, what if that was, oh my gosh, no, no, I'm trying to, I mean, there is a, there is a ritual that happens that is unconscious, just the, the ritual of putting on your makeup and things like that. Um, there's probably a ritual there that I'm not really aware of. That,
0: but that helps you focus and settle. It does, it all, yeah,
1: it does, and the, it helps the role
0: merge into that character. Exactly, yeah. 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 The
1: wig goes, the makeup, the wig, and then the costume, and then you know, that's the magic.
0: Costumes are pretty important to a performer, aren't they? You've got to yes feel the part, feel comfortable. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, in this, we're about to head into our can you believe it? The second decade of this century. Um, and we see social media playing a huge part in our, in our mm. lives. How important do you think it is to a performer nowadays? Because you see, every performer seems to have mm. their own um, website and Instagram
1: yeah. page. Yeah. And I struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I hate it. Um, I think it's important, I dare I say. I think as a performer. To
0: build a fan base? or
1: Not so much to build a fan base really but to alert uh, to be on people's uh to be in the view in their view because so much now is cast through especially especially film and television you know so much of it is self-tape you know sending in a self-tape for an audition and i do believe casting people if they're interested, go to your social media just just to get a sense of who you are and mm. what you do
0: yeah, yeah. and
1: what your interests are. I think there's there's an extension now of us as performers, as a performer, that people want to know a little bit more. It's almost you know, another
0: form of the casting directory, isn't it? You it is. You go to Showcast and look at somebody's ten by eight, and yeah. now you can go to their Instagram. Now
1: page. you go to their Instagram and you see, you know, it's a bonus if you have built a fan base if you're a producer of course that's going to be something they need to consider you know some people are more focused on getting the right person for that role and some people are all, people are a little less you know they're more likely to say well maybe that fan base will help us sell tickets hmm. you know it's there's so many different ways of looking at it
0: and also it gives the general public to access to areas that they couldn't otherwise View like I, I know uh, some people um, say hello from their dressing room and right. show them putting on makeup. Yeah, and, so that's yeah. really interesting. Also. I've done all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I still do randomly. You know, I go through phases of being very present, and I seem to have the time to do it, and I have a, a you know a fun idea to do to photograph something or do a silly video with someone backstage. Um, and it's encouraged now in Phantom. Years ago, you could not do any of that. It was under such secrecy and mystery, the costuming and everything. And now it's really, you know, they they actually encourage it, you know.
0: And those long-running shows on Broadway, especially, I guess, you know, your Hamiltons and your Phantom and, mm. and all that, there's huge fan bases, I call oh, of course, who, yes. who want that access. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think with something like Phantom, you know, there's still mystery around it because it's been going for so long. And it's there's nothing on Broadway like it at the moment with that full orchestra, and the costuming is just stunning. The fabrics. So the it's a bit, still a big big orchestra. Yeah, Great. still twenty nine pieces. Wow. Yeah, live. It's beautiful, and the you know some of the orchestra members have been there since the beginning. Right. There's a couple of them right from the opening. My dresser um, has been in the show since the beginning, since six months. She, I think maybe she came six weeks later, but pretty much from that first year. So, Uh yeah.
0: And do they all tend to live on Manhattan, or are they travelling in great distances?
1: Some, a little bit of both, half Mm. and half. Yeah. Do you get nervous? No. No, not anymore. Um, no, no, I don't. Excited, maybe. Focused or something. No, I don't get nervous. Anxious? No. Trying to think. No, I don't. As long
0: as you know your stuff, I guess. Yeah. You're assured that it's going to work. You
1: just trust the role. You just trust it, I guess.
0: When you are auditioning, do you have a go-to song that you like to, that works for you at auditions?
1: Uh, I guess I do. There's one, if it's a dramatic, if I'm going in for a dramatic character, I, I think it would be You Don't Know This Man by Jason Robert Brown. Right. From Parade. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. It's a great acting song.
0: I guess it's yes, it's finding some repertoire that gives you a, a chance to play the text and Yeah. As well as show what you can do vocally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then sometimes always good for the funny stuff. You know. And dramatic. Do you enjoy auditions? No. No? Ah, uh, actually maybe more so now, you know, than when I was younger. Yeah. I some it depends on the role. If it's a role that I really gravitate gravitate to and I know that i can i can do this then that's fun you know but i haven't auditioned for a while because i haven't really been interested in you know looking at other things and you know you sort of there's not as many roles out there now for my age and and look so sometimes you just have to look at the show and go yeah they're they're not you know the reality is i'm not right for that for whatever reason so it depends yeah
0: Would you like to do a role um, from the ground up that you can create in a a new musical or a play? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? Have you got any? (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Uh, And representation (laughs) you've got in the States too, I guess. Yes. That's how you hear about your auditions and Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: keeping your ear to the ground. Yeah. Did you like touring when you were touring?
1: I did. Yeah, I did. It was lovely. It was a great way to see Australia and other parts of America. Things like that. It's definitely... You know, New York is a bubble. So outside of New York, it's very different. But Um, isn't
0: it a fantastic bubble? Yeah. Do you enjoy (laughs) living in New York? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. So exciting. Not just for the theatre, but just for... No, for anything. For the culture, everything. Absolutely.
1: Yes, you can have whatever your passion or interest, religion you know, your cultural background, you can find a community there, a, you know, a thriving community in New York to support whatever it is that you're, you know, driven to.
0: I think it came home to me. I have friends in New York and they said, you can do something every day in New York different for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. There's and so still not fun. do everything. Yes. I mean, even living there, we have to reconcile that we just can't do everything that we can't see all the shows that are available to us. We can't see all the exhibitions. We can't go to the, all the best restaurants. We just can't, you know, because it's there's, it's always chugging along with new things. And
0: uh, Do you have a favourite thing to do in the city?
1: I think walk in the park because right. yeah. I'm close to the park. Right. And we have a dog now, and that's really, really...
0: And there's a Central Park. Of central Park, park yeah. yeah, which is just beautiful. Which is whether it's autumn or winter, yeah, summer, it's just so many changing cool. phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: to be in the city and then to have that access to nature, on that level, is amazing. Yeah,
0: um, and you see those aerial shots of New York, also with that great big rectangle in the middle of the park. Is mm. you just realise how huge it mm. is?
1: Yeah, you can get lost quite easily. Mm. I know the park really well now, so <laughs> I don't get lost, but Yeah.
0: So preparing, Madame Giry. um, What time do you go into the theatre?
1: So I aim to be there. We have to be there at the half for seven thirty. Oh, Um, only at the half, not. No, not earlier. No, I mean contractually, you know, we have to be there at the half. But it's really that's rushing. I really have to rush. was going to say that's that's really rushing. And then that's a bit stressful.
0: Um, You're expected to do your own warm-ups, I guess.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because it's New York City, everything is vertical. So the dressing rooms, I'm on one side of the dressing room uh, with – and I share a dressing room with Meg, who is my on-stage daughter, Meg Giri. And we're five – we're about four four or five flights of stairs up. So it's a workout, you know. So you've got to run across the stage, get up there, get up to your dressing room, get ready – um, so I like to get there ideally an hour before but sometimes I'm cutting it a little fine and it's more like 45 minutes before. So 15 20 minutes before the half. Because you've got know.
0: makeup, wigs yep. costume. Pin
1: curls. I like to do my own pin curls. Um, do you
0: get a chance to check in with other cast members or you just go straight to your dressing room and the first time you see them would be on ver- stage? I yeah, think.
1: sometimes it is. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Because there's two sides to the dressing room too. It's um, two sides to the theatre, so some of the dressing rooms are on one side and some on the on the other, on the other, and some are another you know another three floors above me, so you know it gets busy. So trying to get there early, then to go and chat with people is difficult, you know, timing wise because we're all busy outside. of... Is it a big company? It is, yeah.
0: How, how many actors? We're about
1: thirty. Gosh, I never counted. Yeah, but it is. But that, that show 20. is big, yeah. Yeah, and then we've got. Because the show's running so long, we've got vacation swings. We've got people coming in. That, you know, you'd be surprised the injuries that happen, or there's a crisis in someone's family, and then they have to take. And then someone comes in to cover them for their role. So there's so many moving parts to casting Phantom and maintaining that cast.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, have there been many Christines who have gone on to play the role of Madame Giry? You know, historically. Are you the only one that can claim that?
1: I think I might be the first. I think there's probably more coming along now that we're aging into it. There's probably a few lined up at the door. (laughs) Um, I think I'm the first. I think there's a couple of Christines who have done Carlotta um, more so. But maybe I'm the first. I'm sure there's someone out there to correct that. Double but two. it's a great
0: thing about the theatre, isn't it? You can return to shows from mm-hmm. different vantage points. Um, I spoke to Nancy Hayes recently, who started her career in My Fair Lady in the chorus.
2: Ah.
1: And then
0: recently played Mrs Higgins. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yes. And I had Tony LeMond doing we did when we did it.
0: Oh, right. When you were... When uh, I was Eliza. Eliza?
1: Yeah, Tony Lamond was doing it, and Anthony Warlow was Higgins. We were doing that in Brisbane, so... Oh.
2: That
0: was is that Rodney Fisher's production?
1: It was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I love My Fair Lady. I know. Yeah, and it was a beautiful production. Beautiful. I just saw it on, at the Lincoln Center too. That
0: was, <gasps> How was that? Good. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was
1: gorgeous. Yeah.
0: What would your top three musicals be?
1: Hmm. Uh, um. Well, it it shifts, but I guess recently. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen yeah mm. Spring Awakening I adored Spring Awakening and Phantom of course the one I mean yeah of course of <laughs> I course. mean once again it, so many of them are my favourite for different reasons that's the
0: mood you're in you when know you want to put on a cast recording yeah. Or, yeah, yeah yeah how do you go about constructing a role like Madame Giry you read the novel do you or?
1: I do I read the novel it's been a while though now um But more importantly, I try to discover it through the relationships on stage. So I try to look at the text and the story that's being told through the eyes of the character of Madame Jury and then through the eyes of the other characters. Often we forget that there's a lot of information about your character through the other characters.
0: You've got to be a bit of a detective. Don't you? Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So that means really studying the text and looking at it, and and what it, and asking questions. Well, how do I feel about this? What what's going on? What's and what's my backstory? You know. Um, so I write, I journal, things like that, leading up to it.
2: Yeah.
1: And then, you know, having the luxury of a long run, then you can also morph. The role develops and you discover more and more too. It's like, oh, wow, it could be this. So, and that, not that anyone else may see that difference, but it's fuel, it's really important and uh, makes it really enjoyable when you do find those moments and they pop up and now and again, it's like, ah, I think this is what it is now, you know, so.
0: What was the audition process for Madame Giry? Did you have to go in many times? Or?
1: Um, yeah, I did go in for a while. Uh, and I think that was part of me ageing <laughs> into it. I think I was too young in the beginning, I guess. And, you know, they were also casting internally a lot. So you've so, been seen a few times, had you, yeah. Phantom Room? Yeah, and always close, apparently. And then, I don't know, I never really asked too many questions. I just kind of turned up, did my thing then came back you know a year later but and a lot of people stay that's the thing they they stay but they're still auditioning so even though you're especially in New York and Broadway they do hold auditions even though there's really nothing available Right. so they the, do it just to see who's out there and see what's going on so yeah right
0: okay
2: hmm.
0: yeah that must be frustrating yeah. but at least you're being seen i guess exactly. and, and you're in somebody's yeah. head
1: and it keeps you fresh yeah. it keeps you going yeah. Um, it's
0: a good sync for Madame Giri, isn't it you appear in the Sip and yes for Madonna yeah, yeah, yeah
1: it is Sit, get to sing some B flats and I get you know I probably speak more than anyone in the show I have a lot of scenes which I quite like with Raoul and with the lantern scene and I love that mix of um, recitative going into dialogue you know that's written so so dramatically I l- love that scene and that scene with Raul with the lantern and we're, you know, just in each other's faces is great. And that's another moment where you learn a lot about your character is just bouncing off somebody else's energy. Reacting, yeah. You know, or there's an understudy on and all of a sudden it's a little different. The the grab is different, you know, and then you react differently and then all of a sudden you find yourself reacting differently and it's like wow, there's another side of Jiri, g- I just didn't know was there. Right, you know, keeping it fresh. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. It's a pretty dark show. I mean, Madame Giri is quite mysterious and stern. Does that become a challenge after a while? I mean, off stage. I mean, how do you find the joy in the job?
1: Um, I think once again that discovery is just being open to the discovery of it. Yeah. So I enjoy uh, looking at those moments and then. And then just, just I guess, just being in the moment yeah. is how, I think I would answer that. Great. Right. It's not so
0: you can leave Jiri at the theatre when you go. Oh, there's absolutely. No character yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. No. It's right. and you're in the moment, so there's not. I'm not really reflecting upon her. She's in the moment, so the it's the moment's very fresh, and it, the moment then is gone. Do you know what I mean? And then you move on to the next, and then you move on, and then you go home, and then you live your life. As far you know, it stays in the theatre. So, I guess there's just triggers throughout the show, obviously. Mm. You know, that puts you in that moment.
0: Uh, what do you like to do during your off-stage moments in the dressing room?
1: Um, pretty much get ready. <laughs> so you changed. don't do
0: you don't have much time to sort of no, there's not a lot do the crossword or No. no?
1: Oh, in my off stage moments. Yeah. Well, it depends. Yeah, no, I don't actually. It's just when you sit down and maybe have a quick chat to someone, you're back on. So, I'm not in my dressing room a lot. I really need to because it is so many flights up. There's really only one or, one or two moments where I'm in my dressing room. Otherwise, I pretty much stay down on the deck. Uh, that's a good question. I do go on my phone now. Isn't that no. terrible? I do go backstage. Yes, I'm guilty of that. I may check a few messages and things like that, and multitask. And especially with children, there's always something to do, and there's an email to be sent. Um, and because I guess you have the luxury of a long-term contract, you you are able to make that switch earlier on in the show I did not look at my phone right. and I did not do that so yeah everyone's different Is there still a big
0: um, fan uh, response at the stage door after the show?
2: There is Yeah? Yeah
0: That's very much a Broadway cultural thing I think we don't see it a lot in Australia to a degree but there are always fans at stage door They're Always yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah Not so much on a freezing cold winter night there, there's less you know, but definitely in summer schools, you know, they they come... That's part
0: of the job too, I guess. Yes. Just sort of mixing at the end Yeah. There.
1: Yeah, no, I always, always try to do stage door. Sometimes um, I have to rush out, but pretty much I'm always... I'm always very grateful to the fans, yeah.
0: Are there any other roles that you covered that you'd like to play one day?
1: Out there, oh... You know, um... I think that any... I'd like to do plays. Right. I'd like yep. to explore Great. some of those. And I love the women in Harry Potter. Yep. I love the Professor McGonagall's and Umbridge. And uh, there's some really fun, fun characters in there that I feel I'm ready for now.
0: Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that Harry Potter will be around for a while. So I think
1: so. Who knows?
0: <laughs> coming up. So you're now living on um, the Upper West Side Story. Uh, Upper West Side Story. <laughs> what? Upper West Side... Having your own West Side story
2: <coughs> mm-hmm.
0: um with your hubby and two daughters. Are the girls showing any signs of wanting to follow mum's footsteps?
1: Yes, I do have one.
0: Right, really? Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing?
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely. Crap. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's a whole and it's a whole new frontier, I think, coming into the industry now. So
0: well, she's been born I, into a showbiz family, hasn't she? She has, really? so, unfortunately,
1: yeah. or fortunately, however you want to look at it. Yeah. So she, she learns as she goes along. But that's yeah. great.
0: She has that encouragement and support. Yes,
1: yeah. she yeah. does. Yeah. But we're also, you know, we'd like to... I think it's really important as an actor to have as much life experience and education as you can. Yeah. I mean, because that's how you study people and a character and having access to the psychology of of human nature or sociology how we interact with each other
0: that I gives you your palette, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: so we we're trying to encourage her to have many experiences so that she can bring that to her career should she really decide to go she's still young so whether she decides to really you know enter the entertainment world and maybe she'll you know be creative on another level you know be a writer she definitely could be a writer she's has that um skill set so it'll be interesting to see oh. where she goes yeah
0: what makes you happy marie
1: oh wow coming home to australia yeah yeah <laughs> my friends people I guess that's why it was interesting do you ever not talk because like I don't ever not talk <laughs> you're always catching up with I'm someone I'm always yeah, connecting with people so I think people make me happy Yeah, great. actually I've got really good friends and I've got really good friends in Australia and I've got really good friends in New York and wonderful family and of course my family is my that is my baseline because when the family's happy I'm happy and then you you know can fly from that that's your base
0: right. you know well you've made us very happy today thank you for um, sitting down for this one on one I feel oh, very special that you've you found the time to do this um, giving us an insight into your wonderful career and also what it's like working in a Broadway show oh.
1: well I hope it's Anytime. time. Well,
0: <laughs> all the be- well, I'll, I'll, you can come back next year. I'll come um, back next year. All the best for <laughs> thank 2020, thank you. and um, may Madame Giri go on to bigger and better things.
1: Yeah, oh, maybe she'll get her own musical. Wouldn't that
0: be great, <laughs> <laughs> I, um
1: She does get a bit more in Love Never Dies. I must say, they give her a little more. But uh, who knows? Yes, yeah, very oh, lovely. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Marie Johnson is total charm, and I thank her again for making time to record this episode of Stages. I'm sure, like me, you've appreciated her generosity of time very much. Extraordinary to think that Phantom has had the tremendous run on Broadway, and from all accounts, it's still very much in great shape, and hosting one of the largest orchestras on Broadway. Well worth checking out if you're in New York, and a show where we can still be awed by that consummate direction of the great Hal Prince. My guest next time on stages is impresario John Frost. Known affectionately as Frosty the Showman, John has been at the pinnacle of musical theatre in Australia for several decades. The Gordon Frost organisation contributes many of the commercial product we see around the country annually. His productions have garnered a swag of local awards as well as two Tony Awards on the Broadway stage. His career began as a dresser on the J.C. Williamson's production of Maine. It's a riveting story and John speaks frankly about his journey and what it takes to be a producer of commercial theatre. It's a captivating two-part episode and not to be missed. You've been listening to Stages. Thanks for joining us. I'm Peter Ayers. Catch you next time.